All right, Drew, welcome to the No BS, No Fluff brand building. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm good. I actually live in Paris. Uh, I don't know if people know that, but uh, it's a beautiful spring day. It's like 65 degrees, sunny, warm, so I'm doing great. Amazing. Now, for those of who are listening who don't know about your brand, why don't you tell them uh, about it and you know the amazing stuff you've done? Yeah, so I'm co-founder, CEO of Hero Cosmetics. We uh, are an acne care brand. We started about three years ago with just one SKU on Amazon. Um, and this year we're projected to do more than $80 million in retail sales. Um, we sort of, I usually tell people we did D2C, we're a D2C brand that kind of did D2C like backwards because we started on Amazon, we went into retail and then we launched D2C. Um, and then, you know, we, when we launched, we only had one product and now we have like 11 or 12 and a lot more coming. Um, we were bootstrapped for the first three years. And then I just raised uh, a round of funding in November of last year. Um, so that was our first round of um, institutional funding. And we're based in New York, team of 25 uh, going on 50. Love it. What's your humble beginning story? Uh, I mean, we were bootstrapped for, yeah, the first three years. So, I mean, up until, I mean, I, I feel like we kind of suddenly came into money and we kind of like don't know what to do with it actually. But um <laughs> I mean, we just had this one product uh, on Amazon. I remember, uh, you know, really enlisting sort of friends and family to like buy it and leave reviews and, um, uh, you know, to help us like uh, with product development and try new samples. I mean, we, because we were bootstrapped, we didn't have a big budget. Uh, I did PR myself. I was doing the product development. Uh, I was like literally reaching out to the influencers and going to the post office and mailing them the products. Um, so really, you know, I think early, early on, like uh, there's no one to do it for you. So, you know, I had to do everything really. How did you get into the industry that you're in today? It's so unique. Um, I mean, my background, I got my MBA at Columbia. I actually have more of a corporate background. So I worked for a lot of big companies in marketing. I'm more of a marketer um, uh, in terms of my career. Uh, like beauty and skincare, I sort of fell into. Um, and I was living in Korea, working as an expat for Samsung. And I discovered these acne patches Um and, you know, it was just sort of one of those like, oh, this pr product works so well. Why does it not exist in the U.S.? Um, and then I wanted to bring it to the U.S. So uh, I teamed up with two co-founders. We incorporated. We gave the product a name and then um, sort of like fell into beauty and skincare, really. Awesome. What did the early days look like when you were coming up? with the product, where did you go? How much money did you really start with? Um, so I put in $12,000 uh, and then I have two other co-founders who put in um, like equal amounts. And mm -hmm. then, um, and, and you know, like, actually I, I, sometimes I think about it and I'm like, that's the best investment I've ever made <laughs> um, because our company now is, you know, worth a lot more. Um, 
And, oh, sorry, I forgot the question. Oh, just like, how did you start? So you said, you know, you and your co-founders pulled together, I, I think like roughly 30 12. grand. Yeah. Total. Correct. Yeah. Um, oh, and then how did we find the, the manufacturers and mm -hmm. stuff? Yeah. Um, so yeah. How did you really start? Yeah. I mean, when I, so I discovered the patches, I was like, oh my gosh, this, this patch concept is amazing. I want more people to know about it. Um, and, and I went to the pharmacy and I bought up a bunch of different samples uh, or different products. Um, and in Korea, when you make a beauty product, you're required to disclose a manufacturer. In the U.S., you don't have to. And so that was an easy way for me to like source and find potential manufacturers. I just like bought up a bunch of products and I looked at the back to see who made them. I would go to their website. I would I literally just like sent a cold email. Sometimes I called uh, and I said, hey, I'm really interested in your hydrocolloid acne patches. I want to bring them to the U.S. Um, and uh, I mean, there are a bunch that made me actually buy samples. So sometimes, you know, I bought the samples, they would send them. Um, and then and then the one that we work with right now, I found in the same way. And they were just the most willing to work with uh, me at that point. I mean, I was sort of, you know, I was this like random person who was contacting them via, you know, a cold email. Um, and, and, but I also found out, found that they had like the, um, highest quality kind of production and products. Um, so they're the ones that actually, I mean, and good for them. They're the ones that were willing to take a chance on me and, uh, this company. And, uh, sometimes I still talk to my contact um, there. We talk about like, oh, remember when we met like five years ago? Uh, and, you know, as our business has grown, their business has grown uh, pretty significantly. And like, and recently he got promoted and he was like, oh, you know, I got promoted because of Hero. And, uh, you know, really like, thank you for, um, uh, you know, everything that you've done for our, our company. But also like, you know, they were the ones that were willing to take a chance, which um, mm -hmm. I think is pretty awesome. How did you come up with the ingredients? Uh, the ingredients, well, I worked with the manufacturer that we work with now, uh, to really mm -hmm. develop the highest quality hydrocolloid. And, um, I mean, it just goes through iteration. So we work with their specialists to, um, come up with, uh, sort of, I guess, quote unquote, the formula that I felt had the best adhesion, uh, the best absorption, uh, power, um, and even now, like we work with other manufacturers and, um, usually what we do is we, we bid out every project. So we have, we'll have like three to five, uh, different labs that we work with. We create a product brief and then we, uh, send it to everybody and we sort of, they kind of compete with each other to deliver the best formula, the best price, uh, uh, the best ingredients. Um, and so it sort of keeps everyone on their toes. How much does it cost to get your first batch of products created when you work with these manufacturer that you're testing? Usually a uh, standard MOQ or minimum order quantity will be 10,000 units. Uh, that's pretty standard, but you know, there are exceptions where, I think these labs will want to accommodate like smaller brands. So they might make exceptions and say like 2,500 units, maybe 5,000 units. And then, and then it sort of depends on like what type of product you're making. But, you know, if you, 
it could cost anywhere from like maybe a dollar to four dollars per per SKU or per item. Um, so you know if the MOQ is like ten thousand, I mean it could be anywhere from like ten thousand dollars to maybe forty thousand dollars for that first order. Um, but of course, there's a lot of variables there. What do you recommend people do prior to investing uh, in you know producing a high quantity of products? I mean, if you can, uh, if you if you can create your own prototypes, like for example, it's easier kind of in beauty or skincare because you can. Um, uh, you can work with a lab and maybe get the bulk, maybe pay um, a little bit just to have a little bit of bulk and maybe you put them in your own like white jars or bottles or something like that uh, and and uh, maybe slap a label on it and then put it on a website to see if people are interested in the concept. Uh, that's kind of an easy way to test out product market fit. Um, otherwise, like, you know, Perhaps you, I mean, you can always try to negotiate those quantities as low as possible. Mm -hmm. um, there might be some that might be willing to do it for even less. Um, uh, you know, I I think you had uh, Jamie Schmidt on, on one of your yeah. episodes. Yeah. And I know she like literally created like the formula in her kitchen and, and yeah. put it in her it, own it, jars. It's crazy what she did. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And and so that's always an option um, for people. If you if you want to have more control over the quantity, then, you know, that mm -hmm. could be an option. Yeah, because it just seems pricey to, um, you know, make it in bulk, especially if the quantity minimum is even 1000. That's still a lot of money. And let's just say you're not happy with that bulk that then you kind of have product that you kind yeah. of have to maybe toss adjust right? again. Yeah. Or adjust. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no joke. It's a, it's a large quantity. So, um, and I'm a big advocate of like starting out small, uh, and, and kind of iterating and then getting it to a place where you, you can feel more, you feel more comfortable with those sort of bigger quantities or bigger bets. So let's just say you were to reset this year for some reason in a new world, uh, you have no connections or, and, and again, you're just starting from scratch. Um, what would you do with that $30,000 today? Like, how do you search for the manufacturers? What do you type on Google? Uh, you know, the best place, some of the best places to go are trade shows. Um, so whatever industry you're in, uh, there's usually some kind of convention or trade show, and there's usually uh, manufacturers and vendors that are um, that are there exhibiting like their capabilities. So that's a great place to find a pot potential partner. Um, I mean, Alibaba, like we've, I, sometimes I'm like before when I was doing product development, I would go on there, like look for vendors that made like certain types of products. Um, that's a great resource. Um, I mean, Google is always, you know, you're probably going to be your best friend when you're starting out for sure. Um, and I think the more that you can network in that industry, like the more people will, uh, the more that you can in, uh, network in that industry, like you'll be able to get uh, connections or introductions to the right people. Got it. Now, talking about the product, what's the best way to make sure that, you know, you have a great product that you think has potential where 
you will go to the manufacturer and say like, hey, like I'm ready to make 10,000 units of this item? Uh, I mean, it's sort of art and science is what I tell people. Um, it's like, it's kind of based on, it can be based on your own preferences and what you like um, uh, and your own tastes. Um, I mean, in order to validate, I guess, beyond yourself, you can always use surveys um, or, I mean, we use, we actually used Amazon as kind of our place of proving out product market fit. Um, so you can, you know, an intermediary step might be that you, um, you know, you make like 50 samples and you give them out and then you you conduct surveys. Um, or you can just, you know, go directly to the market and start selling and see if people, um, if there's demand and if people are accepting of your product uh, in the open market, because, that, you know, that actually could be the best, uh, they might be the best judge, um, so to speak. Um, but I think the easiest way would probably be just, you know, creating like 50 samples, giving them to friends and family, creating a survey, getting their feedback, um, on top of sort of, you know, uh, incorporating your own preferences and, and, and tastes, I guess, into your product. Got it. What, what worked for you? Like, what did you do? Um, we, well, I mean, we did no surveys. We went direct. We went direct to Amazon. I just, I just had a hunch. I mean, I also, I mean, this product category was pretty prevalent in Korea. So, um, so I already had like a country where people uh, w were adopting this product. Um, and then as I was doing research, I actually saw on Reddit that there were like, people were talking about these acne patches, um, and people in the U S were complaining, Oh, but I can only get them in Asia. Um, you know, my sister was in Hong Kong and I asked her to get me a bunch because I can't get them here. And so when I saw that and those comments, I knew that people were looking for this type of product, but they just couldn't get access to it. So, um, so I wanted to solve that access problem and make this product more available. So I didn't really do any research, um, but I mean, I didn't do any like feedback or surveys of these products, but the research that I did showed me that people were already wanting and, and looking for this type of product. So um, in that sense, I, you know, I think I felt more confident in going direct to direct to market and starting to sell immediately. Got it. So at what point in your entrepreneurship journey did you realize that, you know, your idea is working and it, it's going to scale? And and at, at the point of launch, were you still working in corporate? Yeah, I had a full-time job actually, and this was my side hustle. Um, and this is, but this is now my full-time job, obviously. Um, and I think we knew... I mean, there were like multiple points. So uh, I think one that I remember is when we, we so our initial order quantity was 10,000 units. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, how long is it going to take us to sell through 10,000 units? Is it going to take us a year? Is it going to, you know, what if we can never sell out of it? That was always a fear. But actually we sold out of it within three months. So that was uh, a proof point to me that, you know, we were really onto something. 
And then the second proof point was when anthropology took us in their stores. Um, Wait, how did you get them to reach out to you? Because you're a new brand at the time. Yeah, I pitched them. I sent a cold email. Um, I, and then in the email, I included a photo of this product. I included what it was, the price, why they should care, um, the trend that it was hitting. And she wrote me back. She wrote me back and she wanted samples. So I sent samples and then she said, we'll, um, do an 80 store test. So we'll take, I don't know, however many, like a thousand units or a hundred, a couple hundred units. We're going to do an 80 store Mm -hmm. test. Then it launched in January of 2018 in 80 stores. And then within a week, she emailed me. She said, uh, the sales are really strong. I want to launch them in all stores. So that was that was when I knew like, okay, this really has legs because, um, you know, a big retailer like Anthropology was great validation that people like that they also knew that, you know, their customers and people out there wanted this type of product. Just to backtrack for a moment, how did you get her contact? Uh, So I just, okay, so this is, I I cold pitched early on, I cold pitched a lot of people and, uh, you know, I I went onto LinkedIn, I went and, you know, I looked for anthropology skincare buyer, you can usually identify the person or persons, and then and then you can usually guess their email. So it's usually like first initial last name or first name dot last name or some combination like that. Um, and so I did quite a bit of that early on. I just I literally would like try to identify the person, try to guess their email, uh, try different variations. Sometimes I would yes I I would basically have the same email and I would send it to like five variations of their, you know, just me guessing their email. And then, and finally one would go through. And so, um, yeah, the, the email that I guessed, uh, was correct. And she wrote me back. What was your title? Do you remember of the email? Oh gosh, I don't remember. I feel this is such a big moment, uh, for, for your journey because, uh, to your point, you were still working in corporate, right. And, and you were just hustling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Just hustling. And I don't know. I don't remember what the subject line was. Um, probably something about, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe it was like introducing colon, colon, uh, a new acne patch brand or something like that. I'm not really sure. Um, but but yeah, I I have I've pitched a lot. I think starting out, it's going to be such an important skill, knowing how to be succinct and catch someone's attention and really like sell your product and sell your brand. And you know, I, I still do that, obviously. And um, it helps now because we have like uh, data points. So one thing that I usually like to say is, um, you know, Mighty Patch, we sell a box every 15 seconds with over 3 million boxes sold in over 8,000 stores. And then that usually, that's like a useful kind of um, data point because people people are like, wow, you sell a lot. Um, yeah. But early on, you know, you just, you, you just, you know, I think you have to, if there are like trends, like data, uh, trend data that you can get a hold of, um, anything like that can really help, I think, craft your story. Yeah. No, I, I love the tactics, tactics that you provide because I just know to those that are still listening, this is 
this is what really gets things going. It's not the fluff advice of like, do something generic, like you, you dove pretty deep and you were pretty descriptive, which is amazing. And I hope just by you sharing this, it brings back good memories for you as well. Yeah. I mean, it feels kind of like a long time ago, although it was only three years ago, but, um, but yeah, I, I kind of miss those days in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do as well. But at some point I'll, I'll tell you my hustle story when it's not with your podcast. Um, but now I'm curious. So when you sent the products to the store, did they pay up front or did you kind of have to, you know, invest and go first? Um, well, Amazon's great because you get paid out every two weeks. Um, I think that's really how we were able to bootstrap for the first three years, uh, largely. And then with retailers, they usually have payment terms. Um, they're anywhere from like net 30. So they'll pay you 30 days after either you ship the goods or sometimes it's 30 days after they receive them. So that's an extra like week or two delay. Um, but there are some that are net 65. And then during COVID, uh, I had a bunch of retailers email me and say, Hey, because of COVID we're extending our payment terms to net 90. Um, wow. uh, so, uh, so sometimes your cash can be really tied up because, uh, you know, you have this good that, um, that you can't turn into money until, like sometimes 90 days after you've s sent it to the manufacturer or the retailer. So um, that's, that's like definitely the downside. Got it. And, and at what point did you quit your job and why did you quit? I quit when I was able to pay myself. Um, uh, okay. So timeline is we launched the company in August. Uh, I was still working a full-time job and then I, I, uh, was able to start paying myself in April of 2018. Uh, so like six, seven months after it's actually pretty quick, actually. Um, yeah, that's pretty fast. That's pretty, yeah, it's pretty fast. Uh, but yeah, then I was able to quit my full-time job. So what was it like when you didn't have that nine to five, you know, every day, uh, just getting in the way of your, your growth? Uh, I mean, it's even now it's, you know, obviously there's like no shortage of things to do. Um, I'm trying to remember though, it was sort of a while ago. I mean, you have more time, uh, I think to devote to your company and then you can, obviously, I think the company will ideally see the, the fruits of the time that you invest in, in the business, because that year we did, uh, that first year we did over a million dollars in sales. Um, and I think it's because, you know, I was hundred percent focused on it and it wasn't just like a side hustle anymore. At some point you do have to make that decision and sort of go all in. Um, and, you know, sort of investment, not just of money, but also of time. So, um, so it should pay off. Now I'm curious, what led to the growth from 1 million to 10 million? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
1 million to 10 million. I think when we unlocked retail, uh, that was a big one. And really when we unlocked target, um, that was a big game changer for us. Um, and you know, the funny thing about growth is I think it sort of compounds, um, like, uh, for example, we were, we're like a top seller on Amazon. Uh, and then because we're a top seller on Amazon, Amazon recommended us for this segment on the today show, which just aired yesterday. It's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And then, uh, and that segment had a QR code on screen, which linked to Amazon. And then because of that, our sales on Amazon, um, got a big bump. And then because of that, we gained the number one position on Amazon in beauty and personal care. Um, and, and that's like a really, I mean, everyone wants that spot. It's like you get the badge, you get the number one placement, uh, you increase sales organically. So in a way, like I think going from one to 10, it growth does compound itself. So uh, the more you grow, it almost like unlocks more opportunity to grow even more and also even faster. Um, so once you get like one influencer, it's easy, much easier to unlock 10 influencers and then unlock a hundred influencers after that, for example, um, because I think people keep seeing your product and then they, uh, they want to talk about it. They want to try it. Um, like even now with retail, like I, they see us at Target, uh, they know we're doing well. And then I get people like emailing me, oh, can we get, can we carry your product? Like, when can we sell your, uh, sell your product? And so, um, yeah, I do think success begets success. So it's a lot of little steps there, but, but uh, for sure it compounds. What are some of the tough challenges that you had to go through, like a, a big pain point? that you overcame? Oh, uh, I mean, navigating COVID for sure. We, um, I mean, uh, what was that? It was like March uh, of last year. Last year. Yeah, it was almost a year ago. And yeah. um, I mean, Amazon, so that was when like all the stores were closing and then, and like, a lot of purchases were moving online. So actually Amazon was getting really stressed, like their um, supply chain and logistics were getting really stressed. And, and then we definitely saw like a dip in sales. And then Amazon started um, uh, like not letting, it started not letting new inventory in for certain categories. Uh, luckily, like personal care was still considered an essential category, so that was okay. But there was just like long delays in getting our inventory uh, into their warehouses and getting them to fulfill. They started um, removing the Prime badge off of a lot of products to suppress demand. So we, even though technically it was still being shipped within two days, uh, our product and a lot of products lost the Prime badge. So that actually suppressed demand uh, and sales for us. Um, and so it was just sort of navigating, navigating that whole time period, which was really challenging and kind of scary, uh, cause we just didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and also Amazon's a large channel for us. So, uh, you know, if we were to lose that as a channel, it'd be sort of, uh, really devastating to the business, but, 
But you know what? We pulled through and actually we had a really great year last year. Um, I think in some ways, like after we got through March, um, Amazon, like businesses like Amazon Target, I think really got stronger, which ended up benefiting our business. And then people broke out a lot more because of Masni. Now that, you know, everyone has to wear masks. Um, People started breaking out more and yeah, and we ended up having a great year. That's good. Yeah, it's cool to see your growth. And uh, when I saw your company, I, I was like, whoa, I recognize this. I've seen it somewhere. And it's it's amazing how you're in Target. How, how did you get, well, you said Amazon and, and being a top seller helped you get on the radar of Target, right? Yeah, uh, that and then uh, trade shows. So I, I'm really excited for when the world opens back up and we can have trade shows. I think trade shows um, are amazing. It's a great place to connect and meet people and meet vendors and potential partners. Um, but we did two trade shows. Those were when we were starting out, I remember I said, okay, um, we can only spend like $10,000 this year on uh, marketing. So what are the bets? And the two bets were two trade shows. Um, and the, the first one we had target brokers, like kind of, you know, circling our table and then introducing themselves. And then the second one, the buyer, the target buyer actually came by and we met her. Um, and the first thing she, I was like, Oh, you know, um, uh, we've met a few target brokers and we think this would be great for your, um, for your section. And the first thing she asked me was how big is your Instagram following? Because for, I think for her, that was really important. Um, but yeah, I think trade shows are invaluable. Um, and so the minute they start happening again, I'm very eager to go. How long did it take for the target deal to actually happen from the moment you talked to the buyer? Uh, it took, I think nine months because we probably met her in August and then we had one skew, uh, that following July, like July of 2019, we were in. How many units did they uh, receive from your end for the first tester, test run? You know, I think it was around 50,000, but I can't quite remember. Okay. Uh, and then I, I, like I assume from that 50,000, they were going to analyze the sales. And if it looked great, then they would obviously obviously go back and say, I want more. Yeah. Yes. So how, how nervous were you um, after you gave them 50,000 units? Because that's a lot. And I'm sure with net 60 or whatever the payment terms is, you have to upfront a good chunk of cash. Yeah. I mean, uh, for cash flow, I was sort of sweating bullets around that time because uh you're right it like we had a lot of cash tied up with our inventory and then we didn't get paid until much later um so it was pretty tricky from a cash flow perspective but but i mean i think with retail you have to support retail too um you know uh and we just experienced this with our clear collective launch uh in january but we you know we supported with emails and social push, um, uh, you know, updated our homepage to talk about this launch at Target. Uh, we leveraged influencers. Um, and it, I think all that marketing push really ensured 
a successful launch at Target. Um, so there's definitely stuff that's in your control um, that you can implement to make sure that your product actually sells through. Got it. So in a few moments, we're going to open up the Q&A. So to those in the audience who are listening, um, please raise your hand if you would like to ask a question and we will call on you. Um, I just have a few more questions. Um, my, my next question is, what is your best advice for people sitting in the audience if they want to get into uh, making products based on the knowledge you have today? Oh, gosh, the best advice. Um, I would say build the demand and the rest will come. Uh, I think I like and the example that I'll give is, um, you know, when we were starting out, I was pitching a lot of people. I was pitching retailers um, uh, and a lot of them you know, they're like, oh, I'm not really interested or they just wouldn't write me back or a lot of just, you know, no's. And then, um, but the minute we started getting press and the minute we started like gaining more momentum on social, they, and I remember like one of the first articles that we were in was in Into the Gloss, which is a widely read um, sort of beauty publication. And that article, after, right after that article, I got a bunch of inbound emails from all sorts of retailers saying, oh, I read about your product. Can I get some samples? I'm interested in your product. Please send me some. Uh, and so if you can work on the demand side and show you know, that people want it, um, so via press or via influencers, uh, you know, your own organic channels, uh, everyone else will come, come knocking on your door, the retailers, the investors, um, you know, these days I get so many like agency partners that want to work with us. Um, so I would, you know, I would focus on the demand side. Love it. What are the current challenges that you are going through right now? And perhaps maybe some of the people listening can help you with the challenges you were going through. Uh, hiring. I'm spending a lot of time on hiring, thinking a lot about org structure and how to optimize for that. Um, that's what are you hiring for? Maybe we got some people out here. That oh, yeah. Think. I'm hiring for a VP of finance, uh, SEM manager, like a digital product manager, an Amazon channel manager, um, a social uh, media content person, um, an HR manager. That's a critical role. I definitely need to fill that. Uh, those are a few roles. So if anyone out there uh, if, has experience in any of those domains, definitely let me know. Awesome. My last question is, what are you launching uh, right now? And um, a good way for people to get a hold of you if they want to reach out. What am I launching right now? Yeah, what are you, or what's exciting about your company that you want to let everyone know about? Oh, gosh. Well, we just launched our first skincare products. So we have a cleanser, toner, moisturizer that just launched. Um, and we wanted to do like acne prevention products uh, in our own innovative way. Um, so it's called Clear Collective, available on our website and at Target. Uh, we have a ton of innovation coming sort of like the back half of this year. So stay tuned for that. 
Um, and if, you know, if there's anyone out there that wants to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter. I handle just my name, J-U-J-U-R-H-Y-U. Um, you can DM me or whatnot. It's probably the easiest way. Awesome. Thank you so much for appearing on the No BS, No Fluff brand building. I'm, I'm confident to say that you shared a lot of valuable gems and I'm excited for other people to listen to. Thanks for having me.